Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And here we are. Matt, welcome back to another episode. How are you doing today? I'm good. I had a big lunch, so I'm here and waking up still. Yeah. No, those are tough, right? It's like you had mentioned you went into it, you're thinking, looking at some healthier options, but there's still a way to just stuff your face if you're going out for lunch somehow. I managed to do it almost every time. Yes. I ordered the salad to be healthy. And then, of course, it had everything on it that reverses that effect. Right. Do you have any appetizers? I nibbled on some calamari. Calamari is good. Do you like fried or like the sticks? I normally go fried. Yeah. It was interesting. I don't know where I was. I We went for lunch, had calamari as a appetizer and they came out. Oh, I was in Colorado mm -hmm. and they came out as they looked like mozzarella sticks. But they were calamari. That's because you were getting calamari in a landlocked state. Right. That's kind of what I figured. We were very hesitant. We thought maybe they're coming from Sloan Lake. And if anyone knows Sloan Lake, there's probably not calamari. There. <laughs> but yeah, it was very odd. I hadn't had that before. It reminded me of like fish sticks from back in the day. <laughs> Do you ever eat fish sticks down yeah. there? Yeah. But anyway, I digress on that. I mean, we're getting close to October. It sounds like there was some clinching happening. Can you give us an update? So, I mean, the Astros are for sure going to the playoffs. Mathematically, they're in. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I'm a spoiled Astros fan, right? I've gone from 100 lost seasons to like, <laughs> well, we have to win the division and we need home field advantage throughout the ALCS. So if they win tonight, then they'll clinch the division and they're leading by five and a half or six games over the entire AL. So nice. there's still some things to reach for even as the season winds down. Perfect. So they're doing well, obviously. Mm -hmm. The Texans, I believe they lost yet again. It was funny. So before the Texans came, the announcer was like, yeah, and the undefeated Texans. And it was like, one tie. You get credit for being <laughs> undefeated with one tie. And that's it. I guess that's true. If you've been a Texans <laughs> fan for your, your whole life, then yeah, you probably would want to say that. <laughs> I had to laugh. I was like, did he just say undefeated? And it was almost like like the way he said it would be like a 6-0. and oh, You know what you're I mean? Right, like, right. You're like The undefeated Texans take on. I was like, wait, what? They've only had one game and they tied. What do you about. Which isn't losing. <laughs> I know. Oh, man, it's, it's a long road ahead of them. But anyway, good little sports update there. So, Matt, a good topic for today. And this is one that we'd kind of bounced around the other day and think it's relevant. And it's important because the question always comes up is, you know, if you're out there and then things get a little, you know, sticky, somewhat pun intended, and you're drilling with an old lace mud or an old invert emulsion, you know, people out there often ask, hey, do you got anything that can slick this thing up a little more? And most people might scratch their head and say, well, we're drilling with oil. What's more slicker than oil? But, you know, with a little R&D and some effort in the lab, it turns out there are things. And, you know, whether that's a liquid material, whether that's like an inert product that you can add at the hopper, there's a few things out there that are on the market, isn't there, Matt? Yes. Look, I've said in a previous podcast episode one, you know, lubricants are kind of snake oil. The science between them can be, hey, we did all this R&D and here's a bunch of data. And that's like good enough. And then somebody can show up with like a Yeti cooler and a bunch of giveaways and also sell their lubricant. The standard is not very high. And unfortunately, the metrics to measure success are not very great either. But very difficult. Oil-based mud lubricants in particular, one, 
I mean, we use oil-based mud for its lubricity, right? The other part is it's oil continuous. And so can you make oil more lubricious than oil? But if you think about it, lots of cutting oils have lubricants in them. And cutting oils are used for machining bits to grind off pieces of metal to make a shape, a part in manufacturing. And so if you can add something like that to an oil to make it have less friction, then yes, you can. So it's not that foreign if, if you think a little bit harder about, yes, there are things that will do it. Right. Unfortunately, I think there are a lot of things that are sold as products that will that don't. Way back when we talked about water-based mud lubricants, I said, if we have something I believe in, I'll let you know, but don't hold your breath. Yeah. You know, I remember as a mud engineer for the first time using it, you know, I questioned it and, you know, we were on a rig and I would think we were drilling the curve maybe and they're having a tough time building angle and I don't remember the particulars, but, you know, we added, and this was back in probably 2000, quite a while ago, 2013, maybe 2012. And it was the first time I had heard of an oil-based mud lubricant. I was like, oh, great, here we go. And, you know, that with a combination of some graphite from directional driller's perspective said it actually worked. And so we had this little SOP that we had set up and we used it and it seemed to have worked and then it kind of phased away. But, you know, it's always, it kind of just comes every once in a while, there's appetite for trying to add an oil-based mud lubricant. But there are some issues when either designing or deploying or just kind of surrounding oil-based mud lubricants. So what kind of issues, Matt, would you say there are around oil-based mud lubricants? I think first and foremost, it's just the design. So thinking about, you've got an invert emulsion, right? We've already got these surfactants in there. They're already wanting to oil wet surfaces. So how do you find something that is compatible with those surfactants? and actually sticks around and doesn't want to become part of the mud system. Mm. So I think, you know, your example of sliding, there probably was something to that. But I think if you tried to keep that in the circulating system, whatever would go away pretty quickly. So a really powerful wetting agent can sometimes do that. Hot tip, if you don't want to use a mud lubricant, the first thing you can do is treat up your mud. It may be a little star for wetting agent, or it may be dirty. Clean it up and you should see a good torque reduction. And so a wetting agent, sometimes with some you know, inert solids, could actually show a reduction. It just doesn't stick around relative to the price, which is why you can play the hero, but I think over time people are like, gee, we're spending a lot of money on this. I mean, I can't always tell that it's working. Right. And so you kind of move away from it. You know, one is just the inherent chemistry can be a bit of a challenge. And then beyond that, measuring performance. Uh, the oil field is absolutely horrible at measuring performance of lubricants and maybe even worse at matching up conditions. And this is especially worse with like water-based mud, right? Where, you know, they say, oh, that lubricant didn't work. And then you find out the conditions it was run in and you're like, well, I could have told you that before you tried it. Like it works in some scenarios better than others. And that's why there's so many different products out there. Right. And then with oil-based mud effect on properties, we've tested some so-called oil-based mud lubricants that can make the mud really thick. They can make it really thin. The idea is not to dramatically affect properties because you don't want to affect hurt product utilization or yeah. anything like that. Some of them, I mean, we found just appear to be oils. So all they're doing is offering dilution at a very high price. <laughs> but establishing the performance at the rig side, I think in the lab, there are ways to demonstrate, you know, with a conventional lubricity meter or something fancier, okay, here was the torque reduction without it. And here's the torque reduction with it. And so here's some good numbers. But the other hurdle there is you find something that's compatible, doesn't adversely affect properties. It shows a good torque reduction. How long does it stick around for? Yeah. Well, everything that when we've tried to test and evaluate and we've been told, hey, this is a great oil-based mud lubricant. One time it worked with no data. 
what we would find is that it doesn't last long. It's not that it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do things for long enough to be worth it. And we've had feedback from customers who said, yeah, you know, I can see the reduction and it lasts for about 15 minutes or half an hour and it's gone. Right. And we see that in the lab when we'll test them and then hot roll them and test them again. And there's absolutely no torque reduction. So it's only the initially they provide a reduction and then they just either stick to solids in the mud or become part of the emulsion. Yeah. But the fact is they're depleted and gone. There's not a great value proposition if you can only lower torque for half an hour while <laughs> drilling. Yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, with all the different iterations that you've tried, whether it be in the lab or in the field, you know, what have you seen works? I think to your point, inert materials, you know, you mentioned that. So beads can work, graphite can work, nut plug can work, and graphite, particularly interesting because you've got these layers, kind of plates of graphite on top of each other, and they sort of like rub against one another for the torque reduction. Yeah. It just has to get in the way. It doesn't have to like stick to the metal and do all these things. It just has to get between two pieces of metal and it breaks apart itself. Yeah. Go oh, ahead. I was going to say, if anyone's ever cut open a sack of graphite and you've gotten a little bit on the floor of where you're mixing, you know, in your mixing shack or just anywhere, like that stuff is so so slick. Yes. You know, yes, and, it is. <laughs> right. And I'm stating the obvious, but there's some things that you kind of feel and you're like, I don't know, but I particularly like graphite. I've had a lot of success with it. I mean, there's different types of graphite. Is there not? There's crystalline graphite yeah. and then there's, can you describe a couple different ones or? So a lot of these are going to be byproducts from some form of manufacturing, right? The oil field buys other people's trash. Yeah. So some of it can be just natural graphite, but you can get synthetic graphites, that sort of thing. Higher resiliency, so they retain their structure better. There's a gazillion different kinds. And unfortunately, the battery people want to use all of them. So right. we have a heavily subsidized competition for some of these products now. Structurally, they're the same in the way that they can break apart and offer this lubricity. Okay. And it is really just it sliding against itself, which I kind of like from an oil-based mud perspective, because if it's oil dispersed and it's kind of wedged there, it does one thing, but hoping that it sort of like sticks to the wall or something like that when everything's oil wet, it's not going to do it. It's going to be dispersed, right? Sure. But inert materials have the shortcoming of, I think they have some limited contribution. They can be expensive. I mean, drill beads, they're pretty expensive to maintain in a system, let alone Good luck finding an equipment operator right now, you know, for the recovery unit. Yeah. And then I think graphite could help a lot, especially when you're trying to slide, you know, some where you've got a specific spot you could sweep by and kind of help out. But when we're talking about along a whole drill string, it would take a lot of graphite. And at that point, something that could stay in solution like a surfactant would be preferred and more helpful. The trick is, can I get it to stick around? That was part of our iterations. We tested a bunch of nanomaterials. We tested a bunch of things that were inert that would stick around in the mud because we thought that was the best way to go when you're yeah. competing for the emulsion and all that. And it turns out just through like dumb luck and a million trials, we were able to find some chemistry that would stick around. And you can see it not deplete because you can test the initial torque reduction looks great and then you hot roll it and you take another measurement the torque reduction it goes down but even after 16 hours it's still there then you think about the amount of product you're adding relative to you know just maintaining volume and keeping a concentration and it makes a lot more sense from an economics perspective and then take it a step forward that it's still providing that torque reduction I would say that not to toot AES's horn too much, but there are chemistries out there, and we've certainly found one we're excited about, that will offer oil-based mud torque reduction and seems to not want to go into the emulsion and fight with everything else. Nice. Where a lot of the other products, they tend to be more powerful wetting agents. They tend to be these other things that are go in mud products. And if you already had clean mud, if you're actually maintaining your mud, it'll make less of a difference because you're already giving it your best shot. Right. Makes sense. Yes, there, I believe I'll say there's at least one. <laughs> we've been frustrated by some of the claims, of, oh, you can use this in water oil-based mud. You know, it's like, well, you can, but does it do anything? Show me the data in those environments 
environments, you know, I was forever a cynic and, you know, we were able to find this one thing that was a liquid, a, a surfactant chemistry that's worked. And hopefully that'll lead to some other things too, right? Like hopefully we can keep pressing on her. Yeah. Of course, the other part of it is the proof is at the rig. And thankfully we've had some successes out there too. Right. Well, you defeated your own odds. So that's good. For those that are very familiar with drilling operations, it may seem obvious, Matt, but when would you use something like an oil-based mud lubricant? you know, in an already, you know, an existing lubricious system. My first thing is make sure the mud's in good shape. Yeah. Look, you can spend the money on a lubricant. You can spend the money on our lubricant. I feel like give it every chance for success possible. So clean up the mud. Mm -hmm. Go have a look at the directional profile, okay? They may have a horrible one and a lubricant is really your only shot at that point anyways. It's probably not going to change the world. The other part of it is if it's really, really bad dog leg severity, if it's just really poor trajectory, nothing is going to help. Right. They can only help so much. So yes, when you have torque issues, but find out why and be a little skeptical so that when you add the lubricant, it's because you needed the lubricant. It wasn't because of some other practices. And its relative success, knowing the environment at which it's successful, can help you take it to the next well if you found something that you like. Right. That's where it's like, okay, understand the big picture. I think we even have like in our... So this, this product's called Glidex, the one we're selling. Like, we made a video of it. I'm taking all the credit for this. One, our lab did most of the work, okay, <laughs> for the design part. And two, on the marketing side, like, I did some of that. So I'll claim peripheral credit. But the one thing I did do on the script, I think I wrote the script. I don't know. <laughs> but I definitely said this or strongly approved of whoever did. Yeah, yeah. We said, look, you know, the first thing for good oil-based mud lubricity is clean mud. The second is good directional work. After that, there's Glidex. Wow. You know, I like, like I'm just trying to say, like, get all your other stuff in order before you add one of these products because for them to add value, they need to be set up in the right way and don't do other sloppy things and think this is going to save you. There's a great parallel, and I know, forgive me for being like the health nut that I am, but it reminds me of people that want to take supplements that don't worry about like sleeping and eating properly. And it's like mm. they want to like just stack up on the stuff, and it's like, wait, but you're not even taking care of yourself. So you think this is going to be like the magic bullet? So it's kind of like, yeah, like make sure your mud's clean, make sure the well profile is favorable for good drilling conditions. But if not, then yes, there's something that you can kind of help to add, hopefully to help meet your objective there. But I like it. Yeah. I don't know why I thought of that, but it's just, it reminds me of this like you know you're on a rig and all of a sudden things are going crazy oh what can we add do this and it's like well there's other things that we should do before we start adding products don't spend the money until you fix the big rocks you know yeah. what i mean but that's a good point because i think automatically it's safe to assume that like most of the time when someone wants to just knee-jerk reaction add something most people don't really back up and take a good look at like okay let's look at the fundamentals of drilling fluid do we have low solids and you know is our fluid loss tight whatever properties you're trying to meet it's just all of a sudden like oh let's just go get a pallet of this and hope it works because there's other things that you could do that may be more cost effective and actually give you better sustainable results for the rest of the well. Right. There's always these oil field mysteries, but it's like, let's say we put the product in and it works great and everybody gets all excited. And there's another well where we're having some torque issues. Somebody's like, well, put it in. And it's like, okay, well, what conditions were the same and what were different? Because now you're just throwing up a hope and a prayer every time there's a problem. And then the lubricant becomes this thing that's supposed to fix all your problems. The lubricant was supposed to do torque. And now you want it to fix other like fundamentally bad drilling behaviors. Right. Then they're like, oh, it didn't work. It was never going to work. So I just like to parse all that stuff out. And huh, that's a great point. You know. We reach that point and then we say, okay, let's get some data. First, before we even add it, let's get some data about what's happening right then and there. And then when we are actually adding it, let's track our torque. 
if the customer is happy to work with the data on the electronic data recorder and you can kind of see that and maybe compare it to expected values given those drilling parameters, then you can work out how much it's helping relative to other wells. Yeah. And I get it. I've been told this several times. Well, you know, if you lower the torque, guess what the driller is going to do? They're going to let go of the brake. Yeah. And they're going to run the torque back up to what it was. It's like, well, right. I mean, and let's go back to mechanical specific energy and drilling physics and everything. You want all the energy at the bit. Great. Figure out what that is. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the lubricant didn't work, (laughs) right? Understand the parameters you were able to change looking at maybe mechanical specific energy or looking at some of these other things. And did it contribute to better ROP? Did it contribute to less whirl and stick slip? Like there's other ancillary benefits you can probably pull from the EDR. Yeah. But you need that timestamp of when you added the product and how much you had in it to sort of trend that out. But getting this data will be very helpful to determine when do I spend the money and use this again and when do I not. Right. I wish we would get better at tracking when to not do things because we can save a lot of money by solving the problem in the situations where it works best. Yeah. Generally, I like uh, one of our, I call it the drug dealer method, (laughs) but pumping a sweep of a pill, it's lubricated so you can see the torque reduction when it goes by the BHA, that can be all well and good if you've got to do that. If everybody's committed, I like just adding in half percent by volume increments until we see a sustained torque reduction at sort of plateaus. And by that, I mean, okay, we've added enough that we don't see any further improvement. That means you don't need to add more product and then kind of go from there and maintain that concentration by tracking your volumes. But the trap there is if a little is good, a lot is better. And then you get people adding too much and maybe it does start to affect the mud properties or you spend a lot of money and say, well, I didn't see the reduction. Why did I do that? So we don't want to waste it. And on the other side of it, hopefully we've got this nice curve, we can go back and look at the models and say, here's so much better off we were relative to where we started. Yeah. But data tracking is tough if you don't have access to the data recorder. It doesn't mean you can't every, you know, 100 or 500 feet track kind of the high and low torque reading you see and compare that. There's things you can do manually that is better than the absolute nothing sometimes we get. Right. And I mean, the other part of it is, are you going to add it right away? Are you going to add it because you're having trouble getting to TD? So maybe it's we're 500 feet from TD, we just want a little something, pump a few sweeps. If we got a long ways to go and we want the benefits of it throughout, maintain it in the system when you think you need it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it could be too, is it something you spot? It, it may not be something that you're continuously adding, but if you think you may have a tricky casing run. Mm, yeah. You know, again, you could spot that in addition to some other products, whether it be beads or nut plug or graphite or whatever the case is. But oftentimes it's just enough to be able to get that casing to slide right to bottom is just a little bit of extra lubricity. So, yeah, you know, there there's definitely has some different applications. And the one thing I am curious about, Matt, is you mentioned the drug dealer method. Mm-hmm. How does that relate to drug dealer method? Because you give them a taste, ah, right? Okay. That's what I, I should have explained that, but it's like... <laughs> I was like waiting for, is it, what, per half a percent at a yeah, time? Just like, give them a little bit, just give them a little that's bit. That's kind of dark, yeah. That's, ah, no, no okay. I feel like, you know, the first one is free or just get it, come get a taste. Yeah. And <laughs> like, oh man, that torque reduction is fantastic. Kick the valve, this is going Let's in. Let's go, yeah, 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 yeah. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Is the idea there is just a little let bit at a time. Let them see it. If they're skeptical, let them see it. And once you kind of get, then you have rig buy-in, right? They see, yeah. okay, if thousand foot coverage did that, let's get it in the whole system and really benefit. Yeah. And then it goes back to, it's a tool in the toolbox. Right. Use it when you need it. Don't use it on every well. And somebody looks around and says, why are our mud bills so much more expensive? It's like, no. And the flip side of it is you only use it when you need it. And then 
hopefully there's value on the other side with less rig time or some other performance benefit that's justifying the cost outside of just the mud bill, you know? Well, and that's one thing I would encourage for any mud engineer that is listening is that whether it's oil-based mud lubricants or any product that's kind of out of the typical treatment, see if you can somewhat measure the performance, whatever that looks like. Obviously, if you're adding a lubricant, like we mentioned, the rig just looking at torque, if you have an understanding of differential pressure and stuff, but at the very minimum, try and read like before and after for whatever that is. Because if you just add something because someone said to add something, at the end of the day, someone in the office has to justify the cost. So if as a company, we can say, well, before we added it, the ROP or the torque or whatever it is, have an agreed metric to measure, but track it and measure it and see before and after. That way it's it's easily justified because then you can take those values and somewhat figure out like the return on the investment, the ROI on adding the product. Because a lot of times, yeah, you add something and then afterwards, like, well, did it work? Well, I don't know. Someone said it did. Well, what does the data show? Because there's, yeah. there's so many data points now that's being collected on a rig. Like there's a way to figure out whether or not it actually did something. And the data never lies, hopefully. so. Well, in our previous episode, we talked about how, you know, the stories of directional driller demanding something and then it hasn't even left the, you haven't pumped enough strokes to actually get it out of the drill string. And they're like, oh man, this stuff's great. Like there can be, some of these things can seem so subjective. We're gathering more data than ever. We should be able to tie some of this together to a benefit. Yeah. Let's face it. So like a directional company, let's say it's one of those big guys that has a mud company too. Yeah. Most of the time they don't get along and don't play nice anyways, but there's a chance that the directional folks will say, yeah, it's really helping, you know, thank you. And you'd be like, okay, could you share some data or could you give me some idea of how it's helping you? And it's a lot easier to get that in the field where everybody's kind of working together. If you try and do that in the office, normally everybody's like, oh man, you're asking, I must keep this secret. (laughs) And so talking about those contributions openly, I think it's much easier to get in the field. So, you know, writing it down and saying, hey, look, I was just going to put my mud report, you know, did you have anything to say? And we tend to get the best information from those sort of scenarios. Yeah. And face it, if the directional company's happy, they're probably going to ask for it anyways, even if it is not from their mud company or what have you. Sure. No, that's exactly right. Well, this is a good conversation, Matt. And I mean, I don't really have any other questions that we covered a good amount of with regards to old base mud lubricants and, you know, especially operationally what to look for and what's available. But at the end of the day is don't add it unless you need it and do a good job of recording whether or not it works. And beyond that, Matt, what else? Any closing last words? Remain skeptical. Ask for the data up front and afterwards, because I've just been through so many of these that they say it works great in oil-based mud and they never prove it and they can get me one piece of data that shows it lowers lubricity, but it doesn't stick around or so many of them are just such a sales job, which when you have something credible is unfortunate because nobody believes you, right. you know, I was skeptical. I think there are some solutions, but we need to gather as much data as we can to show the best time to use it. And hopefully we can improve upon what we've already seen. Yep. No, that's exactly right. And if any of the listeners out there have any further questions or have a story about when they added it and an old base mud lubricant and it worked, let us know. You can hit us up on LinkedIn or you can reach us at the Flowline Podcast at AESFluids.com. And with that said, everyone, be safe. And until next week, take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Flowline. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.